welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. Please tell a friend, your Zoom coworkers, anyone who you think will benefit if you like this podcast and like, subscribe, review wherever you listen. And remember to follow me at Two Inches Off the Ground on Instagram. I'm recording today on Monday, January 25th, live on Podbean. It's around 9.37 in the morning, and I figured, why not? You know, I might as well jump on and see if anyone wants to hear the message. So that's what I'm going to do most likely in the in-betweens now, because as I said, I volunteer for a food pantry, so I definitely can't go live on Tuesdays twice a month. So I probably will record on Mondays and just jump on Podbean if you're there. Before we get to our topic today, just a reminder that next Monday, February 1st, is the pagan holiday of Imbolc. How do you spell that? I-M-B-O-L-C. It marks the beginning of spring in the Northern Hemisphere, which I know seems really early, but... If you notice, the sunrise is later and later lately, which is awesome. I was out around 5.30 last night, and it was still light, so that was pretty cool. The meaningful tradition of Imbolc that applies to all of us globally in this present moment is to leave the past behind and embrace the new. That's what the ancient pagans did, and they're setting a good example for us today. It's also a great day to do a metaphysical clearing of your home, meaning removing any stale or unwanted energy, perhaps using either sage or a bell, or simply clapping your hands to clear energy. I use a lovely smelling sage spray. It's with lavender and frankincense, and I get that online. And I just spray that as I clear and replace any stale or unwanted energy with good high vibrational white light energy. And for anyone who hasn't done this, it's always a good idea to say universe, source, whatever you believe in, God, please encompass this house in white light. And that will help move along energy and to keep the right energy in and attract it to your house. I know of professional psychics who take four hours to do a metaphysical house clearing on their own home, but for myself, I usually take 10 minutes. I don't have four hours to do that. Obviously, you can make it a whole day project. You can make it a 10-second thing where you're just ringing a bell or clapping your hands, whatever works for you. Also, green and white are the colors of Imbolc, so it's a great time to set out crystals or candles with that color. Our topic today is devotion. In the U.S., when we meet someone, we ask the most three-dimensional questions after shaking hands. These questions are, what do you do and where are you from? So if someone greets me as an American, it's, hi, Jennifer, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. Oh, what do you do? Where are you from? And it's to receive an economic and social status snapshot, if you really think about it, right? If I say, oh, I live on Park Avenue in the city and I'm an investment banker, there's your social and economic status snapshot. So again, that's pretty 3D. In other parts of the world, to start conversation, a person may ask, what are your hobbies? 
which is a more, I would say, European question. But even when I lived in Australia, it's a very Australian question. This question nudges us further into 4D, into that fourth dimension, because the person is trying to get a sense of what makes the other person feel happy and alive. So it's, I think it's definitely a progression from the way Americans do it. What would happen if we really wanted to get a true sense of someone? So we change our greeting and ask, hi, Jennifer, how are you? Nice to meet you. What are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? Our interactions would take on an entirely new meaning, even casual ones. And I think that daily life itself would take on a whole new meaning because you have to answer that question. And if you're answering truthfully, it really makes you think, right? What am I devoted to? In the traditional sense of the definition of devotion is what we're talking about, being love, loyalty, enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. I've been thinking about this entire week and I've been really just focused on this subject, where does my devotion lie? Of course, a synchronicity occurred because someone close to me mentioned that their daughter does daily devotionals at breakfast with their children. So meaning that my friend's grandchildren are the ones doing the daily devotionals. After she mentioned it, I researched the concept a little bit because I'm not religious. And then I asked her a few questions in regard to her religious devotion because she is what I would call a devout Christian. Now, this is a metaphysical podcast. I'm not religious. This is not a religious podcast, but I want to give you this example to make the point because we're going to move on to the metaphysical. She explained that the daily devotionals for her grandchildren are geared specifically toward children, and each morning it gives them a mini sermon, lesson of the day, or a religious ideal to ponder. It's basically a simple Bible quote followed by a lesson. And of course, it has to be understandable for children because otherwise it'd be too complex. As my follow-up question, I asked her, is she devoted to God? Are you devoted to God is what I asked her. But I meant it in a religious sense. And she said, yes, she's devoted to God first, family second, and work third. As I researched more about these Christian devotionals, for some reason, the idea just captivated me this week. I just, I don't know. I just couldn't drop this idea of devotion. And I saw a repeating message of, you must be devoted to God first above all else. Otherwise, your life is out of balance. Now let's leave the religious aspect and explore this idea of devotion in the metaphysical. I'm listening to astral projection guru or expert Robert A. Monroe, who wrote Journeys Out of the Body. Monroe has since passed away. Astral projection is an out-of-body experience where your non-physical or second body travels to other places in this world or realms beyond. Monroe is someone who I would say was absolutely 
undeniably devoted to his gift, much like Edgar Casey, right? When we talked about Edgar Casey, as Monroe spent over 40 years of his life documenting his astral projection experiences in a scientific way. He provides his seven major observations, and one is the idea of thought. Now, before I read this quote, when he refers to the second state, that is the state of consciousness where the second body travels. Here is what Monroe says. In the earlier penetration into the second state, Thought and action are dominated almost entirely by the unconscious subjective mind. The conscious mind automatically responds to commands of the master or soul, source, God, higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it, without question. In the second state, it is a natural occurrence, thought, action, synchronicity, whereas in the physical state, action follows thought. In the second state, they are one and the same. There is no mechanical translation of thought into action. One gradually appreciates the existence of thought as a force in itself rather than a trigger or catalyst. It is primarily an emotional thought force which is gradually molded into coherent action. It is the thought of movement that creates the action. It is the thought of the person to be visited that determines the destination. Because we are used to a 3D experience in the physical body, we would call this law of attraction, right? You feel it, you think it, and perhaps some action is taken and you create it. In the second state or second body in metaphysical terms, this is the most devoted state you can possibly be to source because there is absolutely no separation between you and source. Ego is completely gone. Originally, I use the example of devotion in religious terms. The religious people I talked to this past week strive to put their devotion to God first in their lives. But as a metaphysical person, you and I may strive to put our devotion first to source, right? But the reality is, if we live our lives through higher consciousness or source, we are already devoted. So obviously this idea of devotion is a good thing, right? It can, it can be a great thing. But then I kind of wanted to explore what happens when we devote ourselves in certain areas that actually don't align with source. Extreme examples, as we know, are cults or extremist groups in society, religion, politics. When I think of devotion gone wrong, its twin to me is commitment or the state of dedication to a person, activity, cause, etc. Personally, I've stayed overcommitted in the pivotal moments of my life where, yes, obviously I needed to fulfill my soul contract. I needed to learn that soul lesson and everything happens as it should, right? As we always say. 
But from a 3D experience, society drills into us, you must stay committed. Stay in your marriage. If you leave, you failed. Stay in college. If you leave, you failed. Stay working for that company. If you leave, you can't put on your resume that you've worked there for five years. These are the 3D ideas of commitment that we have and that we as a society, or at least as an American society, tend to embrace. My husband and I went through similar experiences at different times in our lives. And these are good examples in regard to staying overcommitted or staying when you are overcommitted. He was on a college sports team where his teammates were doing drugs to compete and his not following the program led to friction. He eventually quit the team and moved to another sport where he was much happier. I was on a high school team where there was emotional abuse and possibly sexual abuse from the coach. And I refused to follow the program, which led to absolute major tension in a lot of areas of my life. You'd be surprised. I quit and moved to another sport where I was much happier. So, right, all's well that ends well. But still, both my husband and I stayed in our respective original teams for three years before quitting because the idea of staying committed, no matter what, was drilled into both of us. Or as my husband said, and I asked his permission to tell this story today, and he so eloquently put this, he said, you're always told you're not supposed to quit anything that you've started. Besides this sports experience, I was engaged at one point for seven and a half years. Yes, I was engaged for almost eight years, if you can believe it. I was with the person for eight and a half years. During that time, we went to two couples therapists. The first one was terrible. The second one was amazing. So we, we had those experiences. I had looked up going on a couples retreat, and this was right before we broke up. And I said, okay, let me just try a third time. Let me just really go in there and fix it because, you know, the last two couldn't fix it. So this, this couple's weekend is going to fix it. The, the crazy part of it is I wasn't even married, right? I wasn't married. We didn't have kids and we didn't share property. So if you think of it in regard to breaking up or quote unquote divorce, it's the easiest thing possible, right? And still, I was so committed to the fact that I made a quote-unquote commitment to him. I had to follow through. I just, I had it drilled in my head. Okay, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to make this work no matter what. You know, you learn things 20-20 hindsight, Right. So I looked at the end of that relationship and I said to myself, hey, at least I tried everything I possibly could. But that may just be an excuse of 
but hey, maybe I should have gotten out a lot earlier. I don't know. You know, I, again, in the metaphysical world, everything happens as it should. But really, with total 2020 hindsight, somewhere even back then, with both of us, going back to that example of the sports team with my husband and with myself, we were somewhat aligned with source, even though we were young. At that time, we were aligned with source. And on those teams, we were so far out of alignment, so much that source was screaming at us and we couldn't take it anymore. You know, at the time, maybe we were looked at as quitters, right? Back then we were probably were, you know, people were talking behind our back saying we were quitters. And if I go to a high school reunion, which I do not plan on doing ever, but if I, if I wanted to, maybe that's what people would think of me. But now I realize it's all okay because we embodied source. And when I finally made that decision to quit and move on in that moment, I can tell you thought and action were one. It was as if I was in the second body or the second state of consciousness that I had referred to with Robert Monroe, right? It's that second body where thought and action are not two separate things. They're together because you're so aligned with source. And at those moments, I can tell you, I felt it in my heart. When I've made some of these pivotal decisions, these life-changing realizations, it was completely felt in my heart. And, and there was that nanosecond where I could be or could have been in the second body, you know, just taken out of my physical 3D body for one second, have the epiphany, have the realization and go back in. I had that thought. I was done with the situation and source led me to where I was supposed to be. Now, of course, commitment and devotion can be amazing. I mean, let's think about a 30-year marriage where the people have been connected through all 30 years and they really love each other. It's beautiful to watch, right? Think of Mother Teresa and how she was so devoted to her work. Think of someone like um, a parent who takes care of a child with special needs and they're so devoted to that child. So commitment and devotion can be great, amazing things. But I just wanted to tell you about the idea of overcommitment because I think that is something in 3D society that we do instead of going back into source and aligning with our, you know, our soul contract, aligning with our soul purpose. So I'm going to end this by asking you, where do you spend your energy? What are you devoted to? Is your devotion aligning with source in everything you do? These are good questions to nudge us into a more 5D, 4D experience, right? For me, if I had to answer this question, if someone asked me, Jennifer, what are you devoted to? I can say that I'm devoted right now in the present moment to this podcast. I love going on Podbean Live. I love the energy of being live. I think it's so fun. So that's what I'm devoted to in this moment. In my life, I'm devoted to my friends, my family, my farm, 
let's see, what else am I devoted to? Oh, I'm devoted to my health lately, you know, making sure that my health is on track and making that my number one priority. I was just looking this morning at how long it takes to fix this issue I have. And, and I was reading, could be six months to a year. I'm only in the second month of this. So I have to stay committed and devoted to that as best as I can. So what are you devoted to? Until next week, think about your devotion. And thank you so much, Frederick, for joining. And if anyone has any questions, you're welcome to ask now. But otherwise, live your life two inches off the ground.